All right, everybody, don't drop that fast forward button. The sponsorship roll call is about to begin. Energy Consulting Limited provides complete project management and general contracting services to a variety of private sector clients on both commercial and residential construction projects. They act as the owner's representatives through the planning, design, budgeting, scheduling, construction, and occupancy processes. Clients appreciate their open, honest, and flexible approach to achieving their project goals. Although they are located in Surrey, BC, Energy works on projects all over the province, including the growing cities of the north and the beautiful coastal towns of Vancouver Island. They're always excited to explore new places and develop relationships with professionals wherever their clients' interests may be. Abacus North is a firm that specializes in mortgage banking solutions for complex projects. In addition to providing financing solutions in a traditional mortgage broker capacity, Abacus North provides direct loans that range from $2 million to $25 million. On a syndicated basis, they provide mortgage banking solutions up to $300 million. In most cases, their in-house capital solutions can bridge financing gaps that traditional lenders are unable to service. They specialize in providing land acquisition loans, construction financing for large-scale developments, income-producing properties, and single-purpose facilities. With a portfolio that includes high-rise, mid-rise, and low-rise condominiums, townhouse developments, shopping centers, agricultural properties, industrial developments, and medical marijuana facilities, Abacus North is at the forefront of creative mortgage banking solutions with a focus on fostering long-term relationships. They are a multifaceted organization that services domestic and international clients with their mortgage banking needs. Complex financing solutions require analytical thinking well beyond a typical mortgage broker relationship. As a result, they focus on providing engineered solutions for their client. Their key differentiation strategy is that they assist clients in actively managing the capital stack in order to minimize borrowing costs while maximizing flexibility. Abacus North focuses on national and global opportunities. Ascentia CPA has a team of new-gen chartered professional accountants that are dedicated to advancing companies using expertise combined with emerging technologies. The team at Ascentia will implement the latest accounting technologies, allowing you to not only run a business, but to run a smart business that will excel in your industry. Their focus is to provide growth-centric, value-added, and timely accounting services for businesses, as well as individuals across Canada. Unlike standard accounting firms, by embracing cloud-based software, the team at Ascentia will provide you with real-time accounting information on a secure platform that is accessible anywhere at any time, allowing you to make better informed decisions and gain more controlled overview of your financial data. The reliability and expertise you will experience with the professionals at Ascentia will assist you in the preparation of corporate and personal tax returns, financial statements, bookkeeping, government filings, tax and estate planning, as well as business advisory services. For more information on the advantages of online accounting and to book a complimentary meeting online, be sure to visit ascentiacpa.ca. We are I. Okay, everybody, um, Veronica is back. This is going to be like our little weekly episode that we're going to do. And, you know, we just had like a really great conversation for about the last like five minutes that 
you know, I, I want to intro into you guys, you know, because, you know, I, I think it's critical. And the whole point behind VRI is, you know, talking about that no one person should be on a pedestal. And, you know, like really this kind of this time in our lives, like, I don't want to be perceived to be stronger necessarily than anybody else. Or like, I'm not having my own struggles with, you know, not being able to keep my daily routines or, you know, being away from people and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's kind of essentially what Veronica and I, what we were just discussing, just she also found herself in kind of like that same point. And, you know, whether this is just a struggle today or whether this is something that she might, you know, struggle with for days, the thing is we're all going to have our good and our bad days, you know, and the more that we can all share them, the more that we know that we're not going to feel alone in these times, you know, because everything is so uncertain right now. So um, Veronica, welcome back to the show. Hi, Blake. Um, I'm really looking for uh, this time, the conversation with you. It's like always is so exciting and there's so many contents you just to, you know, lead me to go. Mm-hmm. So I, I love it. It's just the fact that like you ask me how you're feeling, but I, I'm the person that usually when people ask how you doing, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. But like now, like I'm really seriously, like, you know what? I'm not really good. <laughs> This morning when I wake up, um, it doesn't mean I didn't do anything. It's just unconscious automatically when I wake up. I do my routine and I did my yoga. It was a great session and I did my meditation and followed by I did my outdoor running in the morning. And then I realized, like, why am I so exhausted? Mm-hmm. I'm so tired. And I know it's a... Recovery is really important, you know, especially people, they do regularly exercise and recovery factor, you know, we need the right nutrient as well for your body and sleeping is important. And of course, you know, like uh, relax and uh, stretching and then managing your stress, all those things are important. But I I was keep on thinking, why am I so tired? Why am I so tired? And then I'm like, I realized, uh, I miss human being. I... (laughs) And like you and me right now, we have a meaningful conversation through computer. That's great, right? So mm-hmm. this is better than actually talking over the phone. At least that I can is. see you. Yeah. yeah. So this is good too. But the thing is, I do this every day with my friends, with my family, my coworker. But the fact that now I'm like, uh, but I really miss the human being. I, I want that connection. I want that the energy exchange, you know, the person to person. Yeah. And then I think that was uh really uh, affect me right now. So it's been over a month we yeah. uh staying home. Wow. And I'm the uh yes, I go out too, you know, I run a little bit outside all the time, you know, I get some sun outside, but I, I think it's getting into me right now. Yeah. So I don't know how you feel, but yeah, you have a kid, so maybe you're very busy, you know, you become a teacher and you have to do your things, you have to do your podcast, you do your activity and so on. But how do you manage this? Um, so I'm going to actually answer that in a second, but I just kind of want to throw this out there now so you can have some time to think about it. You know, maybe like everybody else, you know, who's going to eventually listen to this podcast can think about this too. So I actually had a conversation with somebody yesterday or the day before about like the the five love languages you know because i think it's really it's even more apparent now that people would need to know kind of like what sustains them as a human being and like what you just said like obviously i would say that you know like physical touch maybe if it wasn't your love language before it is now you know so like this this was my thing is that 
do we actually have five love languages where you are more one than the other, or do we have five love languages and you have a deficit of one? But we actually all have the ability that these five love languages could theoretically be topped up at a hundred percent if we're living in this like utopian society. But like, if you don't identify with physical touch, that may just mean that you are getting enough physical touch doesn't mean that that's not your love language. It just might mean that that tank is filled up, you know? So like whatever we identify as like our love language, we need more. It might not actually be our love language that we need more of. It might just be like the love language that we're at the most deficit in. So we feel like that's our love language because we're yearning for that. So, oh, you know what okay. I mean? Because like before, you know, like we said, like, you, you know, you miss human beings there, you, you, you might understand that physical touch, you know, is apparent to you because you just don't maybe have it like as much or, you know, maybe you felt totally fulfilled. You didn't really think about it, but now you're at such a deficit of physical touch that if somebody asked you what your love language is, you'd be like, well, my love language is physical touch because like you're yearning for that. We're yearning for those things. Or like when you're not being complimented enough. So it's maybe it's like words of affirmation from people. Cause there's like, I don't feel valued by anybody. So, you know, when I hear that, I identify that as my love language because it feels good. But if you had enough words of affirmation, it would probably just kind of fade into the distance because that tank's always being filled and topped up. So then something that you're at a deficit in, that becomes your new love language. So I was like, and you know, I've actually never really fully read the love language book. I just kind of did like this skim through to understand mm -hmm. the differences and stuff. And maybe that's something that they talk about in that book. I have absolutely no idea. It was just a, a conversation because I really feel because human beings, I feel like every single person on this planet identifies with physical touch, you know, and you just might have, we might have ways that we distance ourselves from that physical touch because of drama or trauma or life circumstances. And we just don't want people to be able to be around us. But I feel like it's a core of us as human beings. You know, if it wasn't like a baby wouldn't want to be cuddled, like a baby wouldn't want to be held. So I, I based that, you know, theory and that analogy that if we didn't have physical touch, if it didn't mean something to us as a human being, I don't believe that babies would yearn to be close and to be held and to be touched and to be cuddled and coddled, you know, for basically like the first year, year and a half of their lives, right? Oh, you know, yeah, so, great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so and anything that we do for that long, like you can't tell me that for the first year, year and a half of your life, if you are properly loved and you're coddling and nurtured you're going to identify with that for the rest of your life. You want that, like that feels good, you know, like, and if you didn't have that, you know, maybe you're going to disassociate yourself from it. But the one thing I hear, and you probably hear the same narrative, and this is my whole point behind it is, is this what everybody's saying right now? I just, I want to go touch people. You know, then you have like these, these, you know, politicians and these doctors, you know, they're coming on TV saying that like, you know, maybe we should never like hug anymore or high five, like, you know, just like people, we break like that contact. And I'm like, like that is the most vile, disgusting things that like you can hear out of somebody who is in a position of authority to be able to like offer guidance of what's best for us as people, you know, because we already know, like we've been social distancing. We've been grooming ourselves for this event for a long time because we've started to text and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and Zoomies. All these things have already happened. They just never had to happen in this kind of quantity. But the one thing that we do know is it's dramatically affecting our mental health because we've all seen the posts on Facebook in the past about if you hug somebody for 20 seconds, it can change your day. 
you know, like all those are like, they've yeah. been there. Like it's not something that we don't know. So to, to think and to be able to offer any kind of a, advice or guidance, you know, from like a professional saying that, you know, maybe this is a time we break a lot of like actual physical interaction. I'm like, absolutely not. Well, for multiple reasons, because for one, like this is the whole herd immunity theory is that, you know, like, let's just all get it. We've been doing it with chicken pox and, you know, Sweden's trying it right now, you know, like with the COVID-19, you know, like they think we've had like pockets of herd immunity across North America and around the world because COVID-19 has been spread, you know, probably since like October, November of last year. Um, you know, it's just all these things. It's like, but I would rather get COVID-19 and be asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic because that's just life. We're going to get viruses. I'm going to get bacterial infections you know, I'm going, these things are going to happen to me as a human being because I'm a biological creature. I'm susceptible to it. The day that I'm conceived, I'm going to get infections and viruses and bacterial growths and all this nasty shit that nobody wants because we are biological human beings. I would rather that in touch people than ever break any kind of physical interaction with people like in my life, because I know what it does to me. I know what it's like to sit in a room that has absolute peace and meditate with people and feel what I feel in being connected with them, you know, but then if you're in a room that has absolute peace and you're meditating with people, but you happen to be touching knees or you happen to be touching shoulders or you happen to be sitting back to back and you are now focusing on how the transfer of that energy feels and you're focused on what that contact feels like anybody who's been in anyone else's situations knows there is absolute power validity and benefit to those situations. You know, so to think that like there's any way that we should be able to break or have these barriers between us connecting physically as human beings in the long term, like I just, like, I, I don't see, it. I would, I would rather die younger with more physical contact than live longer and just live a life of isolation because we see what this is all doing to everybody's mental health right now could you imagine if this becomes like comes like a relatively new norm for people this is very scary thing actually and you just laid out really well and by the way i read that um the love language in the past Mm. yeah i read it a couple of times and then i really i was thought about you know what's my love language and everybody's different like they like when they hear something you know they more you know what i mean prune to they you know feel more some people when they receive like gift some people like good you said touching but i think touching is really important that's we i believe in energy yeah and our body has so much energy and by touching the other person and exchanging that energy, it's like you can't do that through the computer or the, over the phone. And we completely, we, we don't have it right now, you know? It's like, I don't say like a virus took away this, but just situation is like that. And like you say, yes, you say you rather get the uh, asymptomatic, you know, get the COVID-19 and then you still can do, you know, like uh, meeting people and so on. That too. But um, you know what? It's a, now is a kind of a people who have high mortality. You know, they I don't want to say they are obese, but you know, they have a clinical condition, and or they are a lot older people. Because of them, we kind of want to protect them. Mm-hmm. 
as long as you have like a good immune uh, system and then your lifestyle is just set, you know, you're good. And then you may just gonna have a mild symptom and you can pass on through this uh, virus. But people that are already clinical condition, you know, they, because of them, we want to protect them. That's why we kind of doing this social distancing. That's what I believe. And same time, experts, they are uh, working very hard to find a vaccine and then other solution and so on. So uh, it's just a, the situation that, you know, I cannot complain because we all in together. Yeah. <laughs> and just fact that I, you know, human being is like that. When you have it, you don't really appreciate. Yeah. When we don't have it anymore and took it away from you, then you start missing that. So now I really appreciate when I'm meeting person in person. Yeah. And then uh, I wish I can go back to when I coming from Montreal, Quebec, our greeting was like a two kiss and then hug. It's like the French, you know, the influence. We are like that. So I miss that a lot right now. The, just hugging people. Like, nothing but just hugging. We don't have to talk and nothing. That's really, you know, like that's going to, uh, that's really healthy, I think. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. And And then I thought about, like other people, how they're doing, you know what I mean? So um, myself also, because in health industry over 20 years, and I know what's the best for me, and I try my best, and doing the creating new morning routine, not like before, now is a staying home. So I did that, you know, religiously. It doesn't matter. Some days not really perfect, my yoga, but some days not perfect, my meditation. But I do it anyway. Yeah. And someday, like, incredibly amazing. But today, I was, like, I'm saying, you know what? Yeah, it's good, you know, eating clean, doing exercise, and, um, you know, taking care of my uh, quality sleep and managing my stress. They're all good. But virtually, uh, we're not meant to be alone. We're yeah. a social butterfly. We have to we have to connect with other people. That's so important. And, I like, today, like, Every inches of my body, I feel that one. Like, I need that connection. I'm not talking about just the Facebook or like scrolling and up and down, to, you know, reading other yeah. people's posts. No, I don't, uh, I don't really do that. I do like, um, I like uh, the posts that people that I really care. So, because yeah. I want to follow them, that's what I do. Other than that, just a, just a real connection. You know what I mean? That's what I miss it. And I'm sure out there, people, most of the people, they miss that. Yeah. And I don't know how you do that because when I look at your post, you're always outside. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm all, it, so so this, is, this is my thing. Like, like, I would rather be crucified and criticized and be like thrown under the bus in, in every single kind of way because – I, I get it all the time where, like, where people say, like, well, how can if, – if you choose to go outside as much as you do, mm-hmm. it is irresponsible of you to be able to, to post that on social media because it encourages other people to do. And I'm like, hold on a second. I'm like, do you want me to walk around my neighborhood with doing an Instagram live and show you how many other people are out walking around in their neighborhood? But – if everybody is doing their best that when you see somebody walking down the sidewalk, you kind of split, you kind of keep it like, and then you walk down the sidewalk by yourself. 
like COVID-19 is not flying around in the air and where nobody's walking to a senior citizen's home. And like, for me, the one thing I say to people, I'm like, don't forget, like 90% of like my posts, I'm where very little other human beings on a good day are, you know? So I'm like, if you want to place like a senior care facility 40 miles deep into the backcountry, so when I bushwhack for two days to be able to get there to find some solitude and I happen to give them COVID-19, then I probably will just walk a little bit somewhere else where they aren't so that I don't, you know? So like, I, I think there's a lot of ways that they, that we can do these things to find normality, like in our life so that it does become sustainable, like in the short term. Cause like the one thing I say to people, I'm like, you, you still need to feel good. Like you still need to be able to like do things that make you feel good. Like I may not be doing like big, social things you know we might not be going out to like restaurants we might not be going to hockey games like you know like clearly if anybody scrolled back in my instagram feed like there's no more like tasty indian bistro canucks games you know vancouver giants games like none of this kind of stuff like all that's gone and like what it's been replaced with is you know like 10k runs through the trails you know hiking and camping all weekend you know like like four by fouring in the backcountry like they're there's a noticeable shift. So I think if people take like, like that and saying, well, what could I do to be able to change my life, but for the better, because I look at this as like, it's a really good social experiment because, you know, I'm like, I look at my life and I'm like, well, yesterday I sat in the ice bath minus two degree water for five minutes. You know, like we have, you know, like the, where there's the Epsom salts and the bleach in it. So like it circulates at minus two degrees. Oh, so I got my so five, yeah, I got five minutes in there. So I'm like, there's my increased white blood cell production, you yeah. know, my norepinephrine bump, you know, yeah. my cold shock proteins. And then I immediately go there and then I sit in the hot tub for 25 minutes, um, uh, just to be able to get the homeostasis back to my body. And then I'm done. I'm like, I choose to do these things, not only today, but I will do these things tomorrow because I've done them for years and I will do them for the rest of my life because this is why when I go out, I'm like, I will go out and I will get COVID-19 and be asymptomatic or my body will be able to deal with it because I hedge the bet every day. I've been hedging the bet for 15 years. I've been hedging, hedging the bet for 25 years. I've been hedging the bet for 36 years that mm-hmm. if these things come around, I am going to be one of the people that's going to have the best chance of fighting this and being asymptomatic or having very mild symptoms. Now, does that guarantee it? No, but can I, can I make myself 50% more acceptable, susceptible or like 2% more susceptible? Well, I would rather ice bath, sauna, workout, meditate, read, have amazing friends like you in my life, have wicked projects to be able to work on, go hiking, do all of these things every day, all the time, like through my whole life. So that when these things come, I hedge the bet. And it is now more important to me, like why these protocols that I already do in my life, why they are so important. Because it's like when the chance comes around for the economy to start get back on track, I will be one of the people with their hand in the air saying, I will gladly be on the front lines. I will gladly let me lose. I will gladly march into battle with all the other people who are comfortable with being out there. And I will do that. I have 
no problem with that because again, look at the reason why we're talking. This has everything to do around like health, nutrition, diet, experimentation, all this because we're trying, I'm trying to find what's the best for me. I'm trying to help give people advice what might be good for them. But the thing is, we need to understand that things need to change because when I see all these posts, you know, initially about people saying, I can't wait for life to be able to go back to normal. And I love the posts that are coming out now of people saying like, why do we want it to go back to normal? That shit wasn't working. Yeah. You know, so like when people like right now, I'm like, okay, you said you've been in self-isolation for a month and you've been trying different things. You know, you need protocols. You know that, like, you know, that as a person, because you've been in this for long enough, you know, you need protocols for your physical health, your mental health, and your emotional health. So you are finding what's working and you're willing to be able to change that and adapt that as you go through different struggles during this time. But there's a vast majority of this population that is the reason why I have to be trapped at home or be away from the people that I love or not do the things I love because they are vulnerable who are not elderly, who are really at this point in time. And I've said this and I've no problem being the arrogant asshole saying it is that I think it's more of an asshole move for somebody to live their life every day where they could choose to be healthy, but they're choosing to be unhealthy. Now they put themselves in a high risk category because they've chosen to be unhealthy every day of their life. Now people who aren't really going to see any symptoms from this have to say, oh, I'm to avoid these people when they're choosing that. It's like if I went and chose to walk down the highway, I'm probably going to get hit by a car. What the best thing to do would be is to get in a car. So like, why is there not more information that's being put out right now? Like, look, do you have type two diabetes? Do you have health concerns? We have all this information. We have all this information. Like people know they're being unhealthy. What is the encouragement for these people? And are these people encouraged at all to change their lives so that everything can function better? Because this is a perfect time. If, if you are 30, 35, 40 years old and you're living with type 2 diabetes or you have like all the markers that say that you are going to get type 2 diabetes or, you know, like these uh, like leaky gut, like all these things where we know that you're, you're not taking your personal health care responsibly. This is the time for you to change it. And this is the point behind those Facebook posts of saying, why would we want to go back to the way things were? Because everything that we were doing is our systems that had to be able to live our life was not working. Like mental health was getting worse every year. It is physical health is getting worse every year. It is Mm -hmm. like all of these things like, and how are we supposed to have a strong economy? How are we supposed to have strong people? If people in general don't care enough about their health in all regard, we'll never be strong. Like we can't be like, we fundamentally can't be the, the, the foundation of national strength relies on the citizens who participate in that nation. And that's all of us. And that's why I say like, I have no problems right now. If, if the government said today, text, you know, eight one one or something like that. And, and if you're willing to be able to like, Get back out on the front lines. Like we need people to do X, Y, Z in public to be able to strengthen their our economy. You're putting your life at risk. You're putting your health at risk. But are you willing to do it? I and almost every person that I know in my life 
would gladly walk out the door and participate because I just happen to have all of those people in my life who are sauna, ice bath, meditation, yeah. workout, health and nutrition. These are the people like in my life who, who want to get out there and participate. Who are saying like, I'm not scared because I do these things every day. You know, but again, like we all need to do that. It's not just about the small percentage of people who do it because I look at it as the same discrepancy as, you know, like income inequality. You know, you have a like massively rich people and then you have, you know, people that's like on the decline. Well, this is the exact same thing in the health and fitness industry and wellness in general is you have this small population of people up here who are just like, I got my shit on lock. I got this under control. Like, this is me. I do all of these things. And then you have this massive population of people who are on this slow, rapid decline down because not enough people are taking it seriously. And it's just like, well, how are we supposed to be strong? You know, and like, this is my thing. And like, this is a, a time where everybody can turn, you know, and I really hope that like, these are some of the benefits of it because, you know, like when I look at the, or listen to like the podcast and I listen to like the literature that I'm reading in regards to like, you know, like the economy and COVID-19 and just as like a strategy for COVID-19 in general, it's like, we can only recede for so long. Nobody wins a war by constantly receding and throwing in the white towel eventually the other team wins you know so if we are just chronically locking ourselves it might not be COVID-19 but when do suicide rates start to go up because people's mental health is just so terrible you know or like when do eating disorders get worse because all the people with eating disorders you know who are at home right now you know purging or um, um, like starving themselves like all these things like when do these things get worse because now people are at home, you know, we're like just people who have like depression, and anxiety in general, because we know it's going to happen. If this, if things like this, so like, when do we get to the point where we say, okay, like, look, if there's this vulnerable population, they need to stay. And like, we need to be able to get out and like, you know, and start being on a strategic offensive to be able to, to turn this corner. But again, like we can all be doing that with our own personal healthcare right now. Like out of this last three or four weeks, like how many people do you think said, when I go get my groceries right now, I'm going to try to limit the amount of pop and chips and chocolate bars and, you know, like all this junk processed food. Do you think like that people are doing that? Because, you know, like for the first time ever, like I use the thing where they put your groceries in your car for you at Superstore. And I'm mm -hmm. sitting there and I'm like looking at like all these bags that are being brought out on these carts. And I'm like, looking around, I'm like, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> you know, like out of the 10 stalls where people line up to go in these cars there, there's me. And there's like these two other kind of cars where I can see the people I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, you guys work out, you know, I'm like, this is cool. So like, you know, we're kind of like looking at each other. We're looking and everybody's kind of like watching these carts coming out. Right. So like, all like there's I think five steps so they wheel out these carts and like it turned out that a couple of us got at the same time and I realized that when I looked at it, I'm like man I'm like you only got like three or four bags too and I'm like I only got like three or four bags you know I looked at all these other cars and there's like 10 12 you know like there's just tons of bags but then I kind of started like looking around at the bags you know because I'm standing outside of my car and I'm like well yeah because only two bags of chips fit in one grocery bag you know, like one 12 pack of pop fits in a, in a, in a bag or else it'll rip, you know, but then when I started looking at these other things, you see 
carrot top sticking out of the thing. You see apples bunched in the sides. You know, it's so like these people who have fewer grocery bags. Like I could tell because like all the stuff that's in all these other grocery bags is just all the junk that people should be eating anyway. You know, so it's like like when do people start to take a little bit more personal accountability and you know like it's some responsibility saying like this is a time where I can actually have meaningful change. I know I just went on like a massive rant there and stuff, but like spend the next 20 minutes throwing some of your uh, your opinions in there and let me know what you think. No, you know what? You uh, brought really good topic because um, I've been over 20 years in health and fitness industry. The one thing that I know, the people all set their routine. They know uh, whatever that is. Like, the world is changing. The one thing they're not going to change, like they're how they maintain their health and they focus on that. That's it's their lifestyle. And those people is only less than 1% of the population globally. 99% of people, they are, um, um, I don't want to say like really separate the two, but like they have a different priority mm-hmm. and comes with uh, uh, taking care of health because we are, we are so lucky. Since when we are born, we don't have to learn how to breathe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, like, uh, we got everything. My, our body is so intelligent, you know, like, uh, we have the homeostasis, right, biology. So it's like, we, the body takes care of us itself. If we get hurt, we heal that naturally, eventually, right? So we kind of, uh, we don't appreciate because it just automatically, it's happening. So we missing part is the education. People, they don't, they didn't learn properly when they're young. Yeah. Usually, let's say your parents, right? And let's say kids, they don't choose their parents. Mm-hmm. And they're born, they have 100% trust on their parents. If you feed your parents, don't, uh, if you feed your kids and donuts and pops, they will not go to say, oh, dad, that's really unhealthy. They have no idea. They just go, oh, yeah, my dad gave it to me, so it's good. I'm going to have them. Hmm. So that's generation, generation two, like for education from, from home. Yeah. Because the parents, they didn't learn properly how to take care of uh, health. Yeah. So whatever they learned from their grandparents, they just uh, took that and then they give back to their next generation. That's number one. And second, usually people appreciate their health when they already lost. Yeah their health. And some people, they don't learn. They have to get second and third time and then they realize, oh, okay, it's a time to quit smoking or time to quit drinking or time to uh, stop binging food, whatever. So uh, people, like, uh, generally speaking, um, they don't really learn, you know, how to take care of their health. So that's number one. And second, you're right. This is a time that, okay, you stay home and then start maybe taking care of your health. And now you have more time, maybe you tune the channel or whatever, then find some nice recipe, you know. If you think it, um, clean eating is boring, make it interesting. And then, you know what, just start cook. And then your entire family is eating, start eating clean. That's another thing. But believe it or not, people, they don't want to work. Really. Yeah, well, it's the thing. They don't want to work. They don't want to work. And like... And like a, like a big part of like what I was thinking like the other day is if, if the government is going to do something and the, the government is like has all of these means and these avenues to be able to hand out like all of this money. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I was saying, I was like, why wouldn't you say like 
have like a, a like a fifty dollar a month or a hundred dollar a month, like COVID nineteen fitness or health tax credit. You know, like because the thing is that people are getting this two thousand dollars a month on this CERB or whatever it is. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, like that's taxable income. Like yes. so people get two thousand dollars, but I keep telling people, I'm like, you don't have two thousand dollars to spend no. because you are being taxed on that. So I'm like, you should put 35% of that away because you have to pay back. Yeah. But I'm like right now, if they said, okay, you know, like if you're collecting like the I, if you're collecting the CERB, if you're doing these things and you know, like, and you keep it and you say, okay, everybody like, like per member of each household has like a hundred dollars or $50, $75 a month as like a fitness tax credit, you know, to be able to encourage things because it's like, throw some means and some avenues and some great ways for people to be able to go out there and actually like express these things where they can make these changes or it is like saying like you know instead of watching the continuous news cycle and rabbit holing yourself about how the world is going to end by COVID-19 turn the tv off you know put something else on you know like like being inundated with any kind of information is always bad that's why like for me I'm like don't ever put me like in, in a category. I never want to be around people who are just like, Oh, I agree with what you're saying. I would rather be around people all the time that say, I do not agree with your opinion because then you can have a like a nice debate with somebody. Right. You know, and if we can all find people that just agree with us, then we all feel like we're doing the right thing in life. But like, where's mm. the growth in humanity in that? It's like, like, yes, we do need like, you know, people are just close to us and, you know, people are close to us. We're naturally going to agree like you and I do. That doesn't mean that every person I interact with should always agree with me. You know, like these situations like aren't healthy for us either. You know, no. I'm like watching like a continuous news cycle and all this Facebook information and Twitter information and Instagram information about how like COVID-19 this and COVID-19 that. I'm like, like, that's why when I run across these articles about like that 99 year old man in Vancouver recovering from COVID-19, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to put that out. When the CDC tweets that like, you know, we're actually on the way back down. Like our yeah, levels are so, yep. yeah, so low now. They're back to when we, before we really started testing, when we just kind of generally knew we had cases, like they're that low, you know, but like we, we need to talk about these things too, because it can't always just be like, now we have to start wearing masks. Now we're closing parks. Now we're closing the beaches. You know, now it's like putting your gloves. Like we can't keep escalating this situation and bringing more fear into people. It's like, Tell them some positive things too, because if we don't, to me, in my mind, all that says is that we can't be trusted to make an informed choice. So we're going to, we're going to inundate you with the information to scare you into the, the avenue that we want you to be in, because we can't rely on you to be able to make an adult decision. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want both sides of it. I want to know the bad. I want to know the good. And I'm an adult in a free country that I can perceive this information because I'm educated enough to be able to do this. And that is what I'm going to do. And that is my responsibility, which again, comes back to how I live my life. You know, am I going to a Canucks game right now? Am I, am I grabbing like a hundred close friends and saying, let's go play some football at the park? No, no. I'm going out into the back country and just doing my own thing, you know, and maybe with like one other person, you know, like it just, it's these situations like we we as adults can make responsible choices 
But again, it comes back to like, what are we doing with our everyday lives right now? Like, I love when you said, you know, like I'm struggling right now to be able to find what's going to work. But you also said, I'm, I'm still changing to figure out what is going to work. Yeah. And you're intelligent enough to know that it's not going to be the same every day. It's the same reason why that I don't ice bath every day. Like I don't lift weights every day. I don't run every day. I don't hike every day. But I know I got to keep doing all those things because everybody in my life, I always tell them like, every time I do one of these things, I realize the reason why I need to keep doing all these things. Right. Because at that time when I've done that one thing, I'm like, you know, like, like say for you, say like, no, you, and I'm sure that you know this, like nobody can explain the norepinephrine bump that you get from like, yeah in water in the ice bath right yes so yes like yesterday you know morning sitting in the ice bath i couldn't wait for today because i know for me it takes about 24 hours for that norepinephrine dump just to be at its peak so today when i'm working out and i'm lifting weights and whenever it starts to get hard like i always yeah. kind of start to laugh you know like but like today i was giggling so hard i could <laughs> actually lift the weights not because i couldn't lift the weights because i was getting fatigued but I couldn't lift the weights because I was laughing so hard. So in my mind, I'm like, yes, this, like, this is why I do these things. Like, like, this is my mental health. This mm-hmm. is me hedging the bet so that when mm-hmm. the storms come and all these things come, like we, like we can fulfill these things. And, and I love that you're doing those same things too. Yeah, I do. Um, because um, at the end of the day, you know, like uh, who's going to in charge for my health is myself. Yeah. And I did all those things. I went to gas station, buy those like uh, ice, uh, you know, like uh, five, six bags. And I put in my dump in my bathtub. And then I put the cold water and they just get into in the beginning. It's so cold. is I feel like I'm tired. My body's numb. Yeah. And then after that, it doesn't take long. It's like, I feel like, oh, I'm comfortable here. I don't feel cold anymore. And I do that for like a 15 minutes and 20 minutes. And I remember like, it feels so amazing. And I haven't done that cold bath, you know, lately. And I should put it in my, okay, my agenda. I should do that. And another thing, um, so like you say, um, most important, the, whatever the virus, you know, COVID-19, it's not going to be the end. There's another virus going to come down the road. And like you say, most important thing, we also functional medicine. We Right now, we work very hard to get from government to get like uh, those uh, um, covering insurance. Yeah. Because uh, mainly what, what you cover, like uh, when you have problem with your teeth and then your eyesight, well, already when you damage not preventative purpose. Already when you're damaged, you can have some money so you can actually cover with the insurance. That's what we have the system. But functional medicine is that really it's you're changing your lifestyle. You're eating properly and it's more preventative. And then let's say you once you get sick and that we don't really look for that the particular area you're sick, why you get sick from the first place. We go after root causes. So, okay, this is a causes and let's change it through the food and lifestyle. So then actually you can get back on your life. So, so now we're working on that, you know, try to cover the insurance, like you say, you know, like uh, that's, that's the people uh, motivated. Okay, you know, I can get covered with this. So I can actually go after that instead of just going to typical, just like uh, healthcare, what they actually provide to you. So that's really good. And uh, another thing now, it's so interesting this morning. 
I was uh, reading, um, you know, new study out. It's so fun that, um, you know, already people have um, diabetes or cardiovascular disease or anything. They have a clinical condition. They're very vulnerable with this COVID-19. But more they dive into how this virus behavior in the person-to-person's body, they found that, let's say, it's all down the road, like you say, is the immune function, how your immune system is it up or down? Is it that actually measure a lot to if you get the virus, you know, like are you going to be asymptomatic or not? And also you can fight back like a 99 years old, the old man, right? Yeah. And just the fact that, you know, you know the hormone leptin. Yeah. yeah. Le- leptin hormone is that if you are a lot more heavier, the body, you have a lot more leptin hormone because the leptin hormone is like uh, uh, coming from those uh, uh, fat tissue, right? Mm-hmm. So that actually manages your hunger or uh, uh, satiating feeling. So that, you know, manages. So people have, uh, they're overweight, but then, you know, like uh, even despite that they have a lot leptin is going on their body, if they are, uh, they still, they're supposed to feel like full, you know, they're supposed to feel like uh, they shouldn't feel like hungry and go after food, but they always feel hungry. They go after food because they have a leptin resistance. Mm. So that's the result. And now they found that the people, a lot more obese, like they have overweight people have already condition of leptin resistance. They are a lot more susceptible with that virus, coronavirus. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. like I was reading that before I met you. So I wanted to get to that. I want to finish that article. And it was so interesting. So that's it. So now the people think, oh, I'm going to just wait at home. You know, I'm going to get that money, you know, government to pay me. And they just watch TV, you know, binging the Netflix. And every day watching news, how many people die, how many people get infected, you know, all those scary stuff. And then eating, sitting down the potato chips every single day and not moving it. Wow. Yeah. Before you get the virus, you're going to have another problem. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Seriously. But these, these are the things though, right? You know, like, like, like what I was thinking the other day, kind of, you know, like on a similar but slightly different topic than like what you were talking about is like, I wonder if we had a national pound associated with all Canadian citizens called a thousand pounds. All Canadians weighed the equivalent to a thousand pounds what that number is right now. Like how much weight gain there has been oh, you know, because of like- That's interesting. Yeah, like people's like lethargic, you know, like lifestyles where they're just not doing as much. Like I find that I'm extremely grateful that I happen to live in a neighborhood where it's an above average amount of people that you can clearly tell on any day of the year, take their health and wellness. Like there's always people walking, families out, riding bikes, people playing Frisbee, like at the park. Like, it's just, my neighborhood is very active. Mm-hmm. To see that double and quadruple just makes me realize that like, well, all the people who are just going inside like to a gym or, you know, to like all these different facilities are just happen to be now in the neighborhood being able to do it. And I just like, if you're in a neighborhood that's not like that, you can really easily see like how like when you look around and nobody's really doing anything, you should feel like you should just be sitting in your home. Well, you know, like in sitting in your home, like how many people are like, are like calorie reduced, like, like arguably like the average person could probably reduce their calorie intake by about a thousand calories a day and still be completely fine because there's just no demand for it because most people are overeating anyway. Right. 
yeah. you know, on a good day, you know, mm -hmm. but like how many people even like look at that versus how many people are probably snacking on more shitty food, like what you said, mm -hmm. you know, where it's just like, because like they're, they're around it more like the accessibilities there, are people like kind of picking at things here and there throughout the day. Yeah. I know this is a health crisis and then they're adding into more because already they haven't done good job to create yeah. good health. And now it's like a perfect environment you have to stay in, first of all. And then, okay, you know, they have so many excuses that, you know, like you can just pass by because, uh, okay, I want to work out, but gym is closed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, I wanted to eat clean, but you know what? It's like, it's hard to get food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now it's like all these things going on. I cannot go out often because uh, I don't know. I don't want to catch the virus. It's all these things is excuses. Yeah. It's like a human. One thing that I know, if you really want something, that's your priority. Mm -hmm. No matter what, what kind of situation environment, you just do it. Yeah. That's what I know. And I agree with you. Like, you know, you, you hang out with a certain group of people and then you become a that group of people. Yeah. And if environment, like, you know, where you leave the neighbor is that people are not doing anything. You know what I mean? And then you don't want to be a crazy person to get out there and doing something, you know, totally different than other people. I yeah. get it. So all those things together. And I didn't expect today this kind of a rich conversation. Yeah. And then it just, uh, it just, uh, I just get into flow and then did it. It's awesome. And then I was really curious the last time we talk about your day until day nine and mm -hmm. your uh, plant-based diet. And then from there now is a week past. Yeah. So uh, tell me about like uh, how, especially for, because I know you all do activity every single day in your performance. And then since you on right now is how many days, 14 days, 15 days? Uh, I think, let me check the date. I think it's like seven, yeah, 17 days. Oh, 17 days. So it hasn't done for three weeks. So it does still past two weeks. And do you see the differences for your recovery wise, you know, after you, um, exercise and then when you have the face of the recovery phase mm -hmm. do you see the differences from the uh, carnivore diet to plant-based diet or is it almost the same um hmm. that's actually a really good question because i feel like there's a missing element to my recovery but it's not as substantial as what it was on the carnivore diet, but with the carnivore diet, it wasn't really the recovery because I feel like I couldn't push myself hard enough because I didn't have the tools on the carnivore diet for performance. So I didn't need as much recovery. So it's just, it's, it's so kind of convoluted. Like the carnivore diet took away from my performance, which then I wouldn't need as much recovery. So then my recovery, it felt adequate for what I was doing, mm -hmm. you know, but with on the plant-based diet, it feels like I can push myself harder, but I'm missing some resources from the meat to be able to get the enhanced recovery that I need from being able to push myself harder. So there's kind of like this, this interesting flow. Um, something that I've really, the two things I've really noticed like over the last week, like one of them is that, you know, because I'm eating so many carbohydrates, mm -hmm. um, I know we talked about this before, like, you know, like my protein levels being so low, but my carbohydrate intake just being so high because obviously the massive distortion of like carbohydrates and like proteins and stuff like that in the body. Um, but like when I run and everything now, or like when I lift weights, when I'm doing like a single jointed movement, 
uh-huh. um, say like bicep curls, for example, tricep extensions, any of that kind of stuff that um, the pump I get is like that same kind of thing that like what most bodybuilders would chase that I used to chase when I was younger too, that I actually don't like because it's not functional. It's not functional to performance. Like when you're looking at like performance and endurance, you don't want blood trapped in the muscle. So like when I'm running, my calves are just rocks, but it like, and after like a kilometer or two, and it's like, well, I'm planning on running 10 or 15 K. Like, so when my calves are jacked after a kilometer or two, like that's not good. Cause then I start running flat footed. Then my knees start to hurt, hurt because I don't have the elasticity to my calves. You know, so like just with all those extra carbohydrates that was just getting, uh, you know, pounding like into the muscle, like you're just naturally flowing into my body. It just, there, there's, there's too much, but and like, that's the one thing on like the carnivore diet is that it was, it, it was completely the opposite. But the one thing I actually like about the ketogenic diet is that like you kind of feel like it's that balance between the two. Like I got good energy and good performance and you have continual like blood flushing through the muscle. Like there's, there's no carbohydrates being or in the bodies. You're not getting all this blood trapped and like cooled and pocketed in the, in the muscle tissue, you know, but you're still getting the nutrients that you need to be able to kind of, you know, like to be successful with like performance and recovery. So I've kind of noticed that from a performance perspective, I'm just really glad first and foremost to have my performance back. Like to me, that's the thing that like, it it means the most to me. Like when it comes to like recovery, I know this is in the short term, so I'm not like as worried about or like the calf pumps or, you know, arm pumps and all that kind of stuff. Like I, it's it's in the short term. So I'll see it through for another 13 days. Like it's not going to be a big deal to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one thing I really actually noticed is I didn't realize how much negative impact rice of any kind has on my body. Um, when I was up and consistently maintaining um, like that kind of like 173 to 175 range, okay. um, like for my weight, which is about, you know, like five to seven pounds more than like what I want to be. I want to be about 168. Uh-huh. Um, so that's like where my biggest, like that's where my performance lies, you know, like, whether I'm carrying a backpack or I'm running or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm functional workouts, like that's my weight, right? I've stopped eating rice for three days now. And, you know, I was just eating rice, you know, about like, you know, every other day or, you know, like just pretty consistently, you know, just as like, like a staple, like, you know, like with like dinner, you know, maybe like with lunch uh, left over the next day. Uh, but since I've stopped eating rice for these last couple of days, um, my weight's down. Like this morning when I hopped on the scale, like and everybody can see that this morning yeah. on my stats, like I'm back to below 170 pounds. You know, I'm like 168, 169 pounds. You know, like my blood pressure is way better. My biological age is way better. You know, and like the only thing I've changed is just eating rice. Like that's it. What like, type of rice did you eat before? Um, I was eating like white basmati rice. I was eating, um, like brown rice. Um, I was eating like a wild rice and quinoa blend, you know, like Mm. I was kind of having like, like varieties of different like rices and, you know, just like those kind of carbohydrates. Uh Um, like it was never like necessarily one more than the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like, I definitely like, I, I contribute like a big part of like that weight gain, um, you know, plus, um, you know, like the, the impact on like my, um, my blood pressure, my biological age, like, cause it's the only thing I cut out just cause like, I'm like, I need to know why this is happening. You this know? is amazing. You found the one food that, uh, disagree with you. 
Yeah. And that's a huge thing because imagine you uh, didn't realize that you continue to pack on that food yeah. and that you have no idea why blood pressure is going up and then why you're not feeling well and then why you can't actually control your body weight and so on. So that's a really good thing because that's what you actually, you know, stay tuned like okay i ate this one and now i feel this way i take away this one okay yeah. this uh, didn't work with me so that's really good and comes with um like you say like you know the glycogen is full so you know you get all pumped you know your calves are huge and then you know the tight and then you cannot uh, do any more uh, the running and so on yes um that's why bodybuilders you know we use uh, carbohydrate like a supplement yeah yeah if you want to grow muscle you really have to use carbohydrate well mm-hmm. because it, carbohydrate is number one, the best resource of recovery, macronutrient. Yeah. So let's say um, a ketogenic diet, yes, it works well too. And just the fact that, you know, for the endurance wise, right now you're going on to plant-based diet. Yeah. It, you're going to have a good recovery, you know, the, um, the result by doing it, but, for me, like a plant-based diet, I don't look at it as 100% like a vegan diet. So mm-hmm. right now what you're doing is a vegan diet. Yeah. <laughs> plant-based diet is that you do mainly plant-based food and then you can introduce some of those animal uh, the food as well. That's also what we call the plant-based diet. Yeah. So depends what you're going for. What you're doing right now is a completely the vegan diet. That's why you explain those things. So recovery-wise that uh, if you feel like uh, oh, how I'm going to utilize this one with my exercise despite right now I cannot do very heavy lifting and so on then what you can do maybe try this way um, uh, maybe before you work out you don't have a, a lot of carbs but kind of a moderate you know the small portion mm. and then after that when you finish your workout that's where you want to have your carbohydrate really the right portion so the like, portion is important too so when you had that experience like pumping your calves and so on like did you have like a big amount of your carbohydrate before you train yeah so see these are the kind of things that like for me it, it's really interesting because I've I kind of do things intentionally um like for so like 90% of the time that when I work out, no matter what that the face of that may looks like, like I've never ate, like, I, like, I, I'm not eating anything. Like I will go into almost everything fasted. Oh, so, you on empty stomach. That's how yeah. you exercise. So okay. like, that's like, for me, like the amount of like carbohydrates that are just in my system in general that I can eat the day before. Yeah. Um, so say like last night, for example, um, I ate, what was that? Probably. 8 30 9 o'clock at night something just small like it wasn't okay. really like what i have um tell me what did you eat <laughs> yeah it was just like a snack i'm just trying to think like if my last meal is um like hummus and uh cucumbers and carrots okay and i think i made it had like a handful of veggie chips that's the one part i was trying to remember whether or not eat those at that time but um like those veggie straws or whatever that had like some of those okay. that covered from my daughter mm-hmm. and um but and then i had not eaten anything from that point in time, okay, like all the way, and I worked out this morning at nine o'clock, and I was jacked, like you know, and like, and I know, I know what the difference is, and like what it feels like, or even like going for like a run, like like almost all these things, because I just I've realized now for for me, and especially if like my ketone levels are higher in my body, like it's actually 
for what I'm typically doing for my fitness protocols, it's always going to be worse off for me to have more carbohydrates in my body than less in regards to just strictly performance. Now that's not saying that there's not benefit to them being in there. There's not saying that I don't need carbohydrates. Like I'm not saying that I just, Mm -hmm. I know that if I'm going to run, you know, like 10, 15, 20 K I like, I definitely don't want carbohydrates in my body. If I'm playing squash, like I don't, um, I, I don't power lift. Like I might power lift like once a month just to kind of see like, if I have like strength still left, like, you know, or kind of like test myself on that capacity. But like, I, I'm always way more functional movement. I rarely ever do single jointed, you know, like movements. I might throw them in every once in a while, just like for variety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a lot more multi-jointed, like, like a lot more like injured. So like, I just, I know those things like about myself. And then on these diets, like when I was on a carnivore diet and then now being on this vegan diet, I specifically haven't portion controlled because I want to know what it's like just being on the diet. So like with the carnivore diet, like I would, I would just eat, like, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm just going to eat this diet because I don't calorie count or macronutrient count in my day uh-huh. ever at all anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to start prescribing myself a certain amount of calories and macronutrients. I'm just going to do what the diet feels as though that I should be doing. So like, you know, that's why like on the carnivore diet at the beginning, like I ate very little meat, but I actually started eating like a tremendous amount of meat and really started understanding what satiation actually feels like. Mm-hmm. Well now like on the plant-based diet, it was actually kind of the opposite. Like I actually started eating way too much because like they're like I started eating like way too much food. And your frequency is increased, right? You eat more often. Uh yeah. You... Yeah, because there's a lot more like snacky kind of things. Yeah, yeah, grazing, right? So Yeah, and, and I and I say snacky things in regards to like I like to eat pickles, you know, I like to eat, I like to eat plantain chips, you know, like I like hummus with veggies. Like that like when I say snacking, that's what snacking is to me. Um but like now I've kind of felt like that my quantity is lower. But again, too, like I always just want to eat something. Like I, I want to eat right now. Not, and I'm not hungry, but I'm like, yeah, I could eat. I'll eat. If somebody is like, yeah, let's eat. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, like, but on the carnivore diet, it's not like that at all. And I actually really miss that because I don't like having the thoughts in my mind of like that I want to eat or I should be eating. Like, it's just like, I just want to put nutrients in my body and just walk away from it. Like I, I think about enough. My mind is active enough already. The last thing I want to be eat, thinking about is like, whether or not I should have a snack. So I actually yeah. enjoyed that, right? Um, so, you know, like from like this, like I find, I feel like I'm kind of starting to get to a little bit more of a balance now, but like the, like the amount that I'm eating in a day definitely and like has like is increasing contrast to the carnivore diet, you know, and I'm always grazing. Like I, I feel like a vegan diet and like these different kinds of diet, like they're for people who like to graze, um, you know, just always be snacking on things. It's definitely like a diet for them, for sure. I think because you're running with with the glucose right now. Mm-hmm. Before, when you do the carnivore diet, I remember that you also added into over 100 grams of fat daily yeah. basis. So you more like running with the ketones. Yeah, that's what I said. So when you run with the glucose. Like your your blood uh, sugar level is not really steady, so that's why you know like you want more grazing food. You want more, you know, keep on going back to have here and there. Um, 
I know you choose the right uh, snacks, so I don't worry. But still, like uh, even though it's a good carbs, it's a carbs is carbs. It's a play with your blood sugar level. Yeah. That's why once he brings up the blood sugar level, and the minute you back down, you won again. Yeah. And then if you keep on going back to want to graze the food, it's only one reason because your body's just burning sugar. Yeah. Because before when you did the carnivore diet, your body was burning uh, actually fat. Yeah. That you stored before. So then like you don't really uh, have like, you know, want to go after another you know, snack. So that's differences. So this is really interesting because you only did a kind of a diet and now you jump to plant-based diet and then you really explain about when you run your body with the ketones yeah. and then when you run your body with the glucose is what's the differences. So if people who wants to go on plant-based diet, what I believe you really have to plan properly the schedule of your meal time. Yeah. And even you have to decide your portion as well. I'm not talking about calorie, portion, yeah. right amount of portion and make sure that you meet all those nutrients in it. So then you feel satiated and then beginning or you feel like, oh, you know what? I, between meal, I still want to go after have some snack. Then you have to change. Oh, then you know what? What I'm going to do? I'm going to add more fat, mm-hmm. the plant-based fat. Because it's going to actually keep you more longer for the, you know, the, without now you can wait until your next meal. Because eating often frequently, even though it's like a good uh, source of uh, macronutrients, but still it's like, uh, there's no way yeah. you uh, actually tap into just burning fat, number one. And the other one is that if you keep on playing with the blood sugar level, it's not good for even your mentally. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the mental clarity is uh, gone. If you do that, so all those things happen. So I believe if you want to go to plant-based diet, really schedule it. If you're going to have a three square meal, stay there. Yeah. You want to through the one snack, have a, choose the snack that, you know, something more like uh, along the way, like a uh, fat and protein and some fiber, which is like, you know, the handful of walnuts, handful of almonds, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's way better than keep on going back to having more like uh, carbs, you know what I mean? So that's the thing. So carbs is something that really important for our body, and especially people want to have a strength training and the people want to really, those bodybuilders, they want to have those like, muscle fibers yeah. all full and pumped and so on and grow muscle tissue. And then you really have to use the carbs really well. Other than that, people like, you know, doing the marathon and the people doing other stuff, you know, they want to really play with more using ketones instead of a glucose. That's what I see the people. So that's what you explained to me. That's really good. And, yeah, and I else- agree with you. And you're like what you're saying. I think like on a carnivore diet and a ketogenic diet, like you, it's way more sustainable as in like, it's a lot less work. Yeah. You know, like, like I feel like with like a, a vegan diet that it's a lot more work because like counting your macronutrients and your calories becomes actually like of like real concern. Mm-hmm. Because like, and when I've been on like ketogenic diet in the past, like I just pound fat into my body and like, I, I would almost have a hard time maintaining 168 because like my body would dip, want to dip down to like you know like 165 166 yeah <laughs> and like you know like I said like I would try to eat like three four hundred grams of fat before I'd go to bed you know like it just like a ton of like just feel like you like so like I actually like that freedom that mm-hmm. the carnivore diet and the ketogenic diet offer where like you don't need to keep track as much like you don't need there, there isn't as much thought behind it is, you know, mm. like, and, and not as much 
planning behind it and it's not as much work. And like, that's obviously like what we know with like everybody that the more work that it is, the less likely we're able to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. And you're doing amazing because by just helping other people, what is about plant-based diet? What is about carnivore diet? Actually, you really learning your body even in depth. That's yeah. what I see. Yeah. yeah. So just helping other people, actually, you learn your body even better than before. Yeah. That's amazing. And what else do you have like a benefit by owning the plant-based diet? Um, I would say there's a lot of superficial benefit, you know, like, okay, I can have this chocolate. Oh, you know, I can, I can have these things that I feel like, well, and again, chocolate to me is like 85% dark chocolate. It's not what most people are going to eat. Right. right? Um, I guess like a, a feeling of like more variety when it comes to like, like options out there, like, you know, like there's, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of options for you on, on a plant-based diet, because there's just, there's so many different, like, you know, plants and, you know, like related, you know, products that like you can use like on Mm -hmm. a plant-based diet. Um, I really love it, you know, just kind of like maintaining that same kind of like cognitive clarity that, you know, like I really associate with, um, you know, like with having like my coconut oil and stuff. And, uh, (laughs) you know, other than that, like, I, I think, you know, like one thing that like I really noticed again, like I've alluded to like this whole time is like, it makes me realize continually more all the time why a plant-based diet would be better than a vegan diet. And still, you know, having like a diet, like what I did before, where it was about 80, 90% plant-based and, you know, 10, 20% um, animal-based is like the preferred diet. Because like, I know there's things like missing my, in my body, like, you know, like just like the different tastes in my mouth, like my mouth always tastes, you know, like metally, you know, like, it, you know, like I, I can tell my recovery would be a little bit better if I had some, you know, like meat in there, you know, like, like I actually, my body's like craving like a little bit of meat, not like in a, but just like, you know, like a small portion, you know, and I know when I'm not eating enough meat and, you know, like I'm, I'm maintaining my activity level that my body does crave meat. Like they're, like my body knows that it needs some meat in it to be able to stay, have all this stuff like sustainable. Um, and it just feels right. You know, like it just, it actually feels what is supposed to be you know, like what a diet is supposed to be like for a human being for me. Um, you know, but like, uh, like I, I do, like I, 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 I feel like I almost know too much. I'm like a hard person to ask because I gloss over all the things that most people would probably feel. And I get right into like, like the nitty gritty of it that like most people might not be able to achieve. Like, you know, people are like, well, you know, don't you feel better? I'm like, well, compared to what, you know, like I'm comparing yeah. it to like absolute optimal fitness. So like, no, I don't. But do I feel way better than what most people would if they switched to a plant-based diet or a vegan diet? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. You know, but like my, my comparisons are like the absolute apex for me. So anything that's short of like the optimal, the best, like the best functioning capacity, it's at a deficit. But that's why the carnivore diet wasn't good either. And it's the reason why the vegan diet's not good. You know, so like, you know, when you look at it from those success measures, you're like, like, I don't have inflammation to reduce. If anything, I'm going to notice the inflammation that a diet gives you like the rice. Yeah, yeah. But most people probably would feel reduced inflammation. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Most people absolutely. probably would sleep better because they're consuming less sugar. That's you know, right. like most people probably would feel a better hormonal balance and emotional control. And I find like the opposite because I'm like, I'm used to having like, like good emotional control, good emotional balance. But then now that my blood sugar levels are like this, obviously like, you know, like you're like this, you know, you know, you have these ups and downs because your blood sugar levels are like ups and downs. And, and I don't like that. I like, I don't like that at all. You know, but like if most people switch from like how they were typically living onto it, like a vegan diet, they would, they would probably find a lot of balance in those areas, you know, but like for me, I kind of am flipped on the other side of that, but I actually feel like we're, instead of exposing the benefits, mm-hmm. what I'm actually exposing is the deficiencies of these diets, which I actually think is, is better value for information That's of right. saying like, this is why these diets are not optimal on their own. Mm-hmm. This is the reason why these diets are not, why nobody should be on like, well, not nobody, because there's obviously a lot of different like body types and personalities and stuff. But why, if we know what's going to happen to somebody who typically has like optimal performance, it'll give you at least a starting point to be able to leverage mm-hmm. going into like what might be, a deficiency of that singular diet, you know, for like us as professionals and even if people who just want to take like their own health care into their hands a lot more mm-hmm. because everybody switching to one of these diets is going to feel better. I don't care who you are. If you, if you go from eating like shit to a vegan diet, if you go from eating like shit to a plant-based diet, if you go from eating like shit to a ketogenic diet, if you go from eating like shit to a carnivore diet, you are going to feel better. There's no way that somebody could tell me that you wouldn't simply because you've eliminated all the junk in your diet and you're now focusing on your healthcare. So you're going to feel better, but that does not mean that that diet is going to be good long-term. And I feel like because of my lifestyle and what I know, I expose the long-term impacts of these diets a lot sooner than what most people are going to realize because it actually takes away from what I'm used to feeling and that supersedes what the average person is going to be feeling in their day. That's right. Yeah, so you just uh, lay out really well. And I'm glad that you actually brought this topic. The fact that I tell people, any diet you go on is going to work. Yeah. But don't be too, uh, like, uh, feel like nutrition is something that uh, very complicated. Uh, the, the physiology, body is very complicated. But comes with the food, that you just have to think very simple. I, you know, people when they go, yes, I'm a nutritionist. That's why I go like dissect everything, eating time schedule, how the blood go up and down, and how you can better recover it using this food. That because I'm a nutritionist, but yeah. like the regular just people who just wanted to actually create, you know, like a good health. All you have to think about eliminate all the junk food first. Yeah, just to eliminate all the processed food. That's something that you don't know what is a processed food. You think it's all oh, your box of cereal is looking good because all those the marketing words in the front, what they say, oh, you know, blueberry flavor. They are actually telling you I use MSG. Yeah. Flavor like a blueberry. That's actually telling you transparency, but you don't understand. So uh, don't go for that. Instead, just to don't care about plant-based. Don't care about carnivore diet. Don't care about ketogenic diet. Don't care about any other uh, South Beach diet, whatever that is out there. Just care about eliminate all the junk food, 
Yeah. And make sure that you hydrate well your body because water is very important. If you want to lose weight, water is uh, the best tool for weight loss. So do that. And the next thing you have to do, just eat real food. Don't count macro. Don't count to anything. Just to eat the real food. And then from there, along the way, you can find the way what food works for you. I think that's the best diet for individual person. Yeah, because absolutely. we are all unique. Uh, we have DNA, right? So it's all different. So that's the best way. So don't cut up with the. Oh, you know what? Blake um, is on a carnivore diet. It sounds like it's amazing. You know what? I'm gonna do carnivore diet. That's what the people do. <laughs> they all follow, right? So that's the best way. And then you tell me, like, for you, the best way that you know what's actually not working for this diet. That's actually the best way because you already felt amazing before. Yeah. So when you compare the carnivore diet and the plant-based diet, which diet do you sleep better? You tell me. Um, let me see. I actually think that I sleep now okay. I actually think I sleep the same on both um, – I only say like I'm sleeping longer now because again, like I don't necessarily have to get up in the morning as early as what I would for like, I don't need to get up at three thirty, you know, four o'clock in the morning. Like you're waking uh, up three thirty AM. Well, I usually do, but like right now with the COVID-19 thing, like I'm not because like, they're just like, I don't have to get up until five, you know? So like I'm sleeping a little bit longer because there's not the necessity to also get up early. So it's kind of like there's few, but like actual like sleep quality I know because I did all like this sleep uh, work like last year on the podcast, uh-huh. um, you know, knowing that I sleep better, I have okay. better recovery, better performance, um, and a better quality day, better emotion months, everything sleeping five hours. Oh, okay. So, you know, like if I kind of look at that as like a, you know, like a 10 till three or 1030 till 330 or, you know, like an 11 to four. Mm-hmm. because of the fact that, that what I actually firmly believe now, and it would be really nice if somebody did a study on this is that I don't think that pe- it's beneficial for most people to sleep, you know, seven to nine hours a night because of the fact that I don't think people weren't sleeping that much anymore. Now, if you reel it back like a hundred years, and if you didn't tell me that human beings need to sleep like seven to nine hours, well, these people who would slog every day for the most menial tasks, you know, like everything was a bitch, like 100 to 150 years ago. Like it just, it like life was hard. You can't tell me that that person needs seven to nine hours of sleep a day. And people now working in an office need seven to nine hours of sleep today. You can't tell me that the construction worker who's building the high rise building that's working, you know, 10, 12, 14, 16 hours a day needs the same amount of sleep as the man or woman sitting at the desk in the office of the building that the construction worker built who's working eight hours a day. Like it just like, I like to say that people need this much sleep. Like I, I, like I, I firmly don't believe it and nobody will be able to convince me because I've done it. Like I, I've, I spent months tracking my sleep. I spent months like going through different experiments and I know what works and like, there's no way that somebody can tell me that it doesn't because I've, I've done the research now. Like 
I, and I know, and you can't tell me that there's a, there's not a blanket statement of what's good for anybody ever that works. So you like to say to me that people need seven to nine, seven to nine hours of sleep a night is the same thing as somebody telling me that everybody should be on a plant-based diet everybody should be on a vegan diet or that everybody should be on a carnivore diet. Like I just, like, I know it's not true. Like there's, there's too much variation. There's too much variation to like everybody to say that this is just the set standard. Now, do we need these, these averages and these set systems for people to be able to leverage? Sure. Because people aren't going to do the work. We know this, like, this is something we all know, something we've talked about this even today, you know, but this comes back down to like, if you want to know what's optimal for you. So when I sleep five hours a night, the second that I'm like, it's bedtime and I walk into my bed, if somebody videotaped that, I bet you that I would be, my, my delta waves would kick in within 60 seconds of me hitting that pillow. And I would be in a, in a, in a delta wave sleep cycle like immediately. And my delta waves are higher and in in above average level because I did my 23 and me test where they specifically test those kind of things and my delta waves were like extraordinarily high and I would sleep all the way till when my alarm would go off in the morning or I would wake up just slightly before completely ready to go but if you asked me if the world shut down and at like nuclear fallout was happening I'd be like, I don't even know. Like I would sleep so hard. And when he's talking about like recovery and performance and like how critical and key sleep is mm-hmm. for, like recovery and performance and, mm-hmm. and just and in general, well, if I can sleep better in five hours than what the average person can who's tossing and turning around in bed. And like when I would go to bed too, this is another thing I would go to bed and it would be like I was laying in a coffin sleeping, like my sheets, it would be like somebody didn't even sleep in the bed. So like there was no movement to my body. Like I would, like I would, like my body would just be in complete paralysis, like all, all night long. Like that's how hard I sleep. But oh, wow. now when I wake up in the morning and I've noticed this specifically with big change onto the a vegan diet is that, you know, I'm tossing and turning. There's a pillow between my legs. There's a pillow on the floor, you know, like. You know, like I sleep with three duvets on my bed, you know, and like, and one will be kicked to the end of the bed. One will be kind of tossed off on the side because I'm moving around all night. So like when there's that kind of movement to my body, there's at that point in time, nobody can tell me that I'm sleeping sound because I'm not, I'm moving around in my sleep. You know, I'm, I'm actively sleeping when I'm actively sleeping. I'm not recovering because recovery doesn't happen in active sleep. That's right. You know, so like, like these are things. So like, I would say it's tough for me to be able to analyze my sleep now, because again, I know too much. Like I know what optimal sleep is and I know I'm not getting optimal sleep. But if, if we compared, like, am I sleeping more hours wise? Yes. But do I feel like that's to my benefit? I don't, because I know it's actually not because, you know, like I just, I've analyzed my sleep already in the past and I kind of know where I'm coming from in, in that regard. You know what, that means that you really uh, give me a good answer for sleeping because sleeping, that's why I always uh, put that word in front. Like when I have my quality sleep, mm-hmm. quality good night's sleep, because uh, quality is always been over quantity. 
So yeah. people out there, you have to sleep seven, eight hours. Okay. Okay. That's a general speaking because we actually look at that, you know, the wave, you know, the circadian rhythm. Like you have like, we have a four very deep 90 minutes per night to sleep when you click it. And then also there's a light sleep, right? So when you look at the waves and then that's when I calculate about like a seven to eight hours, if you hit that four times of a deep sleep, mm -hmm. then your body recover. So that's where it comes from. But uh, to be honest with you, myself too, like I used to go to bed at 10. I wake up no matter what at 4.30 a.m. And I feel great. I don't even need alarm, nothing. I just will wake up at the same time. Just yeah. open my eyes. Okay, I do my thing, you know. I, like I just, uh, you know, jump out of my bed. That's me. But um, um, why I say that? Because people out there, they suffer. They don't know. Like they don't know what is a good night's sleep. Yeah. And it's like, like you say, like physically for people who move a lot and then they actually, you know, sleep more than the people uh, in the office with the fake light and they're working in front of a computer. But those people, remember, they drain their uh, brains. Yeah. Same time. So they're already having lots of stress on that. And so physically they're okay, but mentally they're suffering. So those people have a hard time to sleep at night because they don't know when to shut down. Yeah. their brain so that's the thing and so why i ask you what's a different the carnivore diet and the plant-based diet and then right after i thought oh shit i shouldn't ask because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh it's shit yeah at the same time i was like because it's not it is important what you're eating that your last meal but more importantly like what time did you eat because when you eat after that, you know what I mean? Go to bed, mm -hmm. how many hours are different? That, that makes a difference your sleep quality as well. So, and I ask her, shit, I shouldn't ask that way. Yeah. <laughs> and you like, even like, even like that's like relative to me because I always eat before bed. And like, like I will, like, if I'm not, if I'm following my regular protocol before I started doing all this stuff, like mm -hmm. I would legitimately eat between 500 and 600 grams of fat before I went to bed every night religiously because of what I know the positive benefits of that is to me on my how much body. fat do you have before you go to bed five or six hundred grams that's a fat say no at 500 500 grams yeah oh okay. I'll have about um I'll have if I had to venture I guess it would probably be 10 tablespoons of coconut oil uh, it'd probably be the equivalent, you know, maybe like eight to 10 tablespoons of peanut butter or almond butter, um, about, uh, eight to 10 tablespoons of, uh, milled flax, um, probably 10 to 12 tablespoons of hemp hearts. Um, and then, you know, I might throw in like, like two dates, um, that are kind of like finely chopped. Um, with about four tablespoons of cinnamon mm -hmm. and uh, and then I'll have maybe two tablespoons of milled chia seeds. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. It, that's a lot really. That works for you. It's wow. a ton. It's, a, it's, it's an absurd amount. This is why we say to like when it comes to like people when they're just like, well, Blake, what do you do? And I'm like, I don't want to tell you. Like, like I, I don't like sharing with people what, what I eat and like, but cause I'm like, again, I've spent 36 years getting to this point. And like when I, 
when I say, okay, well, you like, I eat all this fat before I go to bed. But again, like when I'm on my regular diet, it is hard for me to maintain 168 pounds, you know, because like, I'm also going to get up at three 30. I'm also working out at four. Mm-hmm. I've trained a client at five. Mm-hmm. I'm now playing squat, like warming up at six 45 to play squash at seven, mm-hmm. you know, for half an hour. You know, then if it's nice, you know, like then I may go for, you know, like a two or three K uh, jog with the client before we start to lift uh, for like that client would lift weights. You know, like I may or may not go for a run later on that seven. And there might be in, in a day I, when it's nice outside, especially right now, because like, like these last couple weeks have been so nice and it's like our first nice weather. Um, yeah. I might have two, three, four, five clients a day that like I'll show up to like their place or they'll show up, you know, to the gym. And they'll be like, I actually don't want to work out today. I want to go outside for runs. It's nice. Or can we go do like a run and like a, like a workout at a park, you know, as we run, you know, and like, so then you have doing all this other stuff, right. You know, so like my activity level, like is so high, like I can on my uh, Sunto watch, like I can burn, I'd say on an average day, just active calories is usually 1500 to 2,500 active calories. You know, like that's, that's simply just when my heart rate is high enough that it starts to count that it's activity that I haven't logged as activity because I haven't turned it on to like the sports setting. Right. You know, so like, like my calorie consumption is so I, but if you talk to any nutritionist and said, you know, like for performance, should I eat 600 grams of fat, you know, across like five different fat sources before I go to bed within 15 or 20 minutes, should I do that? Like you, you would never find anybody that would say that's okay. You know, but like, like I know if I don't, the next morning, like when I get up, like, I'm just like, I I do, I have about, I'm missing about 20% out of my tank for sure. hundred percent. Oh, wow. So your body works well with, uh, you know, consuming the fat before you go to bed. That's yeah. yeah that's, you know, your body, that's good. And uh, tell me one thing, because, um, um, for me, like uh, I get it, why you doing every single day, doing so much activity and so on. That's your life lifestyle. You love, you enjoy what you do, and that makes you feel good. And that's the same goes to me. Like over right now, exactly twenty three years. Yeah. No matter what, it's like uh, training. It's like just in me, you know. If I don't train, I feel terrible. That's the opposite than other people. So that so. Tell me, like, people that they really not motivated, people that they don't know how to start to, you know, the exercise, like, give them some, you know, tips or any um, things that they can actually think, of, yeah, that's how I have to start. You know what I mean? People that don't know how to start. You know, I actually, I think about this all the time because obviously professionally I get leveraged with this this all the time and, you know, like, I've probably talked about it on the podcast multiple times too, but I think the, the, the biggest disconnect in the, in the, the highest hurdle to get over with over at the beginning is the concept of we are I. And it was the, the whole reason why I started this is because like, I am sick and tired of people. They're like, Oh, Blake, it's easy for you. Um, like, Oh, Blake, you're doing this. Or like, you know, I'm like, my 100k is your 10k but my 100k is somebody else's 300k 
you know, like you, there's no point in comparing me or anybody to anything else of like what you're doing. You just need to do something, you know, because what I'm doing may seem like a lot to somebody else, but to another person, what I'm doing isn't shit. You know, they're just like, so when we, the comparison, like I, I think when most people, the easiest or a great foundation to start from some of the tools people need to equip themselves from the start is just saying my only expectation is I need to change what I'm doing. And that's like what we were talking about with this COVID-19. This is a perfect time for people to actually make a change. You know, like I have not been doing ice baths for 36 years. I've been doing them for a year. I have not routinely sat in the sauna for 36 years. I've been routinely doing it for two. You know, I have not routinely lifted weights for 36 years. I have not routinely hiked for 36 years. I have not routinely ate the same diet for 36 years. I have not done all of these things. And every single one of those things comes with struggle. Everything, like all experimentation, like then that's the point of documenting all this stuff like along the way. Like, am I comfortable that I gained 10 pounds switching to this vegan diet? Absolutely not. You know, am I comfortable struggling through my fitness protocols every day being on a carnivore diet? Not a chance. You know, like as I'm cooking, you know, like some ground beef for my daughter last night, um, do I love the smell and want to take a hundred percent, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, but like the, the problem is, is that it is so ignorant when people say to me, it's easy for you. And I'm like, fuck you. Because every time I've persevered through struggle, you've now taken that away from me. It is so ignorant. And it's the reason why I started this podcast because I am, I was so tired of people saying, and I get so upset. And I say upset that by way of passionately talking about it, because I, I value that when I'm sitting in minus two degree water in a tank that most people won't even climb into because they're too claustrophobic to even look at it. And I'm sitting there keeping shivering at bay and I'm struggling through it. I want to leverage those moments when I'm going to struggle because I know struggle is there. And the people don't value struggle. And when they see somebody else being successful, then they immediately attach that there's no struggle to that success. For some reason, that's become our new norm. But if we, if we get over the hurdle of saying like, you are going to hate yourself some days for doing what you're doing because we resist change as human beings that much. There are going to be days where you might actually fully break. There might be days when you break halfway. There might be days when it's easy. There might be days when you cry. Like there's all these different days. And I have these days too, you know, like, like when I went, was it yesterday or the day before? Um, day before when I went uh, like I ran around Campbell Valley Park it's like 10 and a half 11k and I'm talking about my calves being jacked like after yeah. the first kilometer yeah I hate that like it's hard like my knees especially like my left knee just started to burn like that that burning sensation that everybody knows who's run and their knees have hurt where like mm -hmm. somebody's stabbing you with that like hot knife in the knee and I'm like and I'm like just keep running because I'm like, for one, I'm like, this is the struggle that this vegan diet like opposes upon me. 
and I have to be able to work through this. And I also do know that if I keep running on this, this knee that feels like this, I'm going to run to a point where it's going to feel better because my body is like, I need to be able to release um, all the anti-inflammatory markers I can because like this shit's real and this guy's not stopping. And I've realized that about our bodies and I realized that hearing it from other athletes that like your body's going to hurt when you, when you force it to perform. But you always get to the place where your body says, I need to work this out because this isn't stopping. You know, so like when we look at changing, we look at starting something, like all these things are ways or thing or aspects that we need to realize are just a part of change. Like, you know, like they, they're just a part of that. And like starting something is brutal. Like it's hard. Like yeah, it's, we want, we, we don't value the struggle. We don't, we don't value things being hard. We want, you know, our, our 70 degree house. We want our 70 degree car. We want our 70 degree office. We want skip the dishes to deliver food. We want our, you know, cleaning lady to come over and clean our house, you know, once a week, you know, we, we want all of these things where we don't, and we wonder why we can't live our lives the same. It'd be like, we don't value anything that's hard, but then you see this class of people who are like, I actually value these things that are hard. But then we have these people who don't value struggle say that I want to be able to go through this change. If I see all these other people who are successful at it, who value struggle, but when I don't value struggle, how am I going to be successful? And I'm like, because you need to value struggle. Like, like, that's why I always say to people, I'm like, if we're doing 25 burpees and you hate everyone, do 26 because you can't. And just where do you stop? Like, you, you fundamentally, like your body's not laying on the floor collapse. Like you can do more, but we don't value any kind of struggle because we don't really need to struggle. And that's, I think what a lot of people are faced with right now with this COVID-19 is can you handle struggle? Can you handle adversity? Can you handle immediate impactful change? You know, and then when people like say to me again, it's like, well, how are you dealing with it? I'm like, fucking fantastic i've been conditioning myself for this every day i'm great i feel fantastic you know like i slept okay last night you know i i worked out already this morning like you know like i like i have great conversations like it with people like you like i have all these things that are gonna like hedge that bet but i have valued struggle enough in a time when i didn't need to struggle so when these moments come along i can go back to them and just say like I put in my reps. So when people are like, well, how do I, how do I, how am I successful at, you know, making that change? It's like, start putting in your reps. You know, you don't go into a gym one day and you don't bench press 300 pounds. You don't go in one day and all of a sudden have a jacked six pack. You don't go in one day and have a $150,000 a year job. You don't go in one day and have a million dollars in the bank. You don't go in one day and drive a fancy car. You don't go in one day and have a, a house in two kids and a picket fence and a dog. You, we don't do any of these things, but we want them when it comes to health, you know, but put in your reps. I've struggled. I smoked for 10 years. Like when people know they're just like, they're like, I can't even imagine. And I'm like, but that was putting in my reps to know that I'm not going back there. You know, like 
like, and I just fortunately woke up one day and I was like, I just don't like, I'm not going to smoke anymore. And I never did, but that's what that day made me realize that we will only actually change something when we actually really want it. And I didn't stack the, I didn't say to myself in any preceding day, week, month, or hour before I quit smoking that this is, I'm going to start quit smoking this day. I didn't, I wasn't lying to myself that this is something that I had to do. I wasn't trying to convince myself that this is something that's good for me. I just woke up one day. I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore. But now I look back on it and all the reps I put in before that allowed me to be able to the tools past that. And then that became a tool. And then I go back and say like, well, this been like, it wasn't hard for me because I've put in these reps. I'll continually put in these reps. Like, like I, I haven't sat in the ice bath for probably like, four months for, and you know, like through this whole COVID-19 thing, like a couple weeks ago, I'm like, hey, I'm going to start again. So last week was the first week that I got back in sitting in the ice bath. Right. And you know, I go in and I'm like, and I know what's coming. And the worst part is, is like anybody where you think about it for too long, you know, like, it's like, I always equate to cliff jumping. I'm standing there on an 80 foot cliff and I'm like, that water's a long ways away. And yeah. I sit there and I just, I'm acting like a bitch. And then like 10 minutes later, I jump off and then I jump off and I jump off and I jump off and I jump off and I jump off because it's awesome. I know it's going to be awesome, but it's just being a, a bitch at the start. So this is the same thing, but I only have to wait because the other guy who's there, he's sitting in it and I'm kind of like, you know, 20, 30 feet away and I'm kind of waiting my turn and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm like, so then I'm like, I got to do something. Cause I know he's in this for the next five to seven minutes. And that's a long time to be stressing out about it. So then I'm like, I gotta put in some music. Then I couldn't find a song I wanted. So I got my <laughs> earbuds in. Then my stomach starts to get up. Shit, yeah. I gotta go to the bathroom. So then I'm on the toilet. I'm like, damn it. You know, then my mind. Then I'm like, it's gonna be cold. And I'm like, I, I know I'm like, <laughs> I want to last like six, seven minutes. I'm like, nah, I don't feel like I'm gonna last like a minute. You know, and I'm like, and I'm like, oh, damn it. I'm like, I'm going to get in and I'm in a bad mind frame now. And I'm like, this is good. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to go six, seven minutes in this thing now. I'm like, I'm like, I just completely talked myself out. And I'm going through like, like the physiology of my body, you know, like, like again, like, like all these. So like, and then like, this is all within the first like two minutes, you know, and then in like knowing that it was going to happen, like in, in like that morning, the whole time thing, I'm like, man, what's it going to be like? But I'm like, I know it's going to be cold. Like, am I going to hack it? Cause like this dude is like that. I do this with like, like he's a warrior. Like this guy, like I have done some of my most extreme stuff in life physically with this guy. He is a yeah. warrior. And like, so like whenever like he's doing like, it, it's like, I don't have to like beat him, but like, mm -hmm. I want to be able to measure up. I want to be at that same caliber. So I'm like, however long he does, this becomes my new bar. Okay. So I'm like, every minute that goes by, not only is my mind going downhill, but my body's going downhill when this guy's just doing his thing. Yeah. <laughs> so then like five minutes later, he's still in. And I got to go to the bathroom again because so I'm just <laughs> like, oh my God. So I'm in the bathroom again. I'm like, this is horrible. I just get down. He's like, you're up. Seven minutes. I'm like, all right. Let's do it. He gets out. I go in, you know, like he walks away, you know, like, I don't even know like where he's like, I'll just let you do your thing. I'll come back in like, like seven, eight minutes just to check on you to make sure that you're okay. So I'm sitting in this thing and like, I just I like standing on it. When you put your hands on it, like you can tell like it, it's metal. 
Yeah. Like it's minus two degree water in a metal tank. Like it's cold. Like there's the whole, like yeah. cold. it's like climbing into it. You feel the coldness of it. And you know, from being in an ice bath before, if you don't immediately immerse yourself mm-hmm. in that, you are, you, you can't dip your toes in and pull out. There's no acclimation. There's just like, you are neck deep in water from the get or else you're not going to be successful. So then I'm like, I plunge in and I sit there and it's that same thing where it's like that first like 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. And then you're like, okay. Yeah. And then I was like, you motherfucker. Like you knew that this was going to happen. Yeah. Like, why couldn't you come back and leverage this moment? You knew that it just, you, you just had to go through that first plunging shock and it was going to be okay. But look what you just did to yourself. Like, look at the inflammation and the stress and like, like the actual physical reaction of the emotional manifestation of how traumatic this event might be. And what you just put yourself through for like the last hour and a half and especially the last like seven minutes. Yeah. You fear your, yes, exactly. But the thing is like where most people forget that like at that first initial beginning stage, you know, like, is like, you got to still just do it. Yeah. You know, like I could easily been like, now, like, oh, you know, I'll go some other time. You know, like, oh, I just don't have what it takes. Like, but you still got to just immerse yourself in it. Like if you, you have to see the value past the struggle. Like, and I know the value past the struggle is sitting in this thing because then it's like this morning where I'm so giddy from the norepinephrine in my body that like, it's like I'm on drugs, but I'm just on like natural drugs, you know, and I feel great, you know? So like, but I think that people are so, so far from understanding like what the actual value is past the struggle. Cause Like I know people who've never been there. They're like 30, 35, 40, 45 years old. And they never have eaten healthy. Yes, many people. Never have eaten healthy. Some of them have never played a sport. Some of them have never worked out. And they're like, my body hurts. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, like, what do you want me to do about that? And they're like, well, don't you have any like sympathy or empathy for me? And I'm like, no, your body hurts. Like, what is that? Anything? <laughs> you know, like, do you not think that like my, when you're like, Oh, Blake, you know, like, and you say like, oh, I want you to meet my friend, Blake, you know, he just did this. I'm like, like, please don't tell people what I do. You know, like, like there's this one, uh, one of my clients who is actually in like a very high level media production. She forced me to get to this. It took her three years to get her or to get me to get to want to put my life publicly online. This was not like necessarily a first fundamental choice for me. Like what, like I I would rather be the guy that go does some crazy shit and comes back into life. And nobody really knows. Like I, I, I don't care about being first. I don't care about people necessarily knowing what I do care about is people knowing there's options and like, and showing that there's struggle. Cause the one thing that I can't stand is like all these people who want to call themselves like, like influencers who are just like, they rock out the easy part. And it's like, no, like if I could show you how many times I've cried doing shit, right? Like legitimately have cried because I've been so broken emotionally and physically, you need to see that. So then when you're like, why don't you have any sympathy or empathy for me? It's because like, this is the process. Like the, like this is the process. You will, you will do this. 
you will hurt. It will suck. It will, it's not comfortable, but this is what it is. Like, like this is just, this is like, I can't make it better for you because when you get to my level, it's going to be the same. When I get to these guys level that I idolize, cause I would love to be there. They're struggling way worse than I am but they value the benefit so far past the struggle that is worth every second. So it becomes enjoyable, but it never gets better. You know, and like, that was like my whole point of like showcasing like these dietary changes and stuff. It's like, this isn't easy for me. Like, like it is not easy changing my diet. So when people are like, well, where do you start? You just do it. Like you, you just have to do it, you know, because I don't want to be on a plant or a vegan diet today. I don't want to be on a vegan diet tomorrow. I didn't want to be on a vegan diet yesterday. There's nothing about me that values a vegan diet. I do not think it's beneficial for any human being to be on a vegan diet because a vegan diet is not complete. It's the same reason why a carnivore diet is not complete. It's not like, like they are not, they're not comfortable for me to go through these process, but I'm just going to do it to show that anytime somebody makes a change in their diet, there is struggle, but where do you value that? Like, like that is the only part that people need to overcome. Like it has nothing to do with the food. Your, your palate will change. Like we know this, like, like your palate will change and start to want the things that you're eating. It's just your palate is currently craving and your body is currently craving the things that you're eating right now. But in a few days in a week, that'll all completely change. Like it'll wholeheartedly change. You know, but what will never change is it'll always be a struggle. Like, it's not, you just alluded to this was the whole, when I stopped you at the beginning, I'm like, should we start recording this? You're struggling right now. You, you said you woke up struggling, but you will succeed in it because you, you know the value and the struggle because there's no other option. Like, there's no other option for you to say, I'm not going to do yoga today. I'm not going to go for a run. I'm not going to lift. I'm not going to eat healthy. I'm not, I'm going to give up on all this because you know that the benefit of doing all these things and struggling doing them is far better than not doing them at all or finding the new system amongst all these things that actually works. Yes. Right. You know, but like if anybody can take it away from like, you know, and this is where I lose people because people are just like, but Blake, you're not answering Veronica's question. And I'm like, but I am. We both just admitted that we're struggling after decades of doing this. But people don't want to hear that. They don't. That's the starting point. It's just accepting for decades until you die. It is going to be a struggle along the way. It's not a struggle every day. But you are going to struggle and it is going to be hard and you're going to be challenged and you need to accept that. The acceptance of that is the starting point because we want now, think of how many times that you've come across and you've heard the narrative that people just want the magic pill, people want the magic formula, people want the perfect diet, you know, just make it easy for me. And I'm like, it's not, it's really not. And that like, there is no pill. There is no diet. You just said the same thing. You're, you're a nutritionist. You're, you're an amazing, knowledgeable nutritionist. And you just said, 
like if, if any diet is the best diet is the one that eliminates processed foods and sugars. Yeah. That's the best diet. Yes. The best diets, nothing else more than that. Because once you do that, all the other things fall into place. So where, where do you start? Well, you can't start by eliminating the processed foods and the sugars from your diet until you accept that this is going to be a struggle. It is going to be hard. But I see the value past the struggle. That becomes like the beginning of it. That's awesome, Blake, because, uh, because you are pro. What it means, <clears throat> usually pro, even though they are struggle, for other people, it seems so easy. Mm-hmm. They are pro. That's why. And I always tell people, comes with the health, there's no perfection. Yep. Either your level is level one or level 10, you struggle. If you don't struggle, you never grow. Yeah. Because without struggle, uh, what do you learn from that? How you can grow without struggle? So people come to me, how Veronica, I can be always like maintain same body weight and it look good, you look younger, you know, feel good. Um, is there any diet that I can be on? I say, Yes, but the problem is um, there's no secret. Mm-hmm. You have to accept this one as your lifestyle. You have to repeat. You have to keep on doing. And some girls, when I was competing, I would say, how can I make a nice glue? How can I make a nice legs and stuff? You know, should I do 15 repetition or should I do 20 repetition? Everybody have a different opinion. I go, you do 500,000. <laughs> I tell them, yeah. when you do, for instance, when you do like um, knee extension, yeah. don't count. You start counting when you start feeling pain. Yeah, that's how you have to start it. You have yeah. to go through the struggle. <laughs> that's yeah. how you grow. So that's you explained everything. So most important things. People think everything when you do it, it looks easy. Yeah, because you don't tell people you struggle. Yeah, that's it. It's the same thing. People, let's say when I compete the multiple show, some one show that I still remember. It was 2011 when I went to national show. I diet. For 26 weeks straight. Yeah. Not even one single. If I have my coach say you have to have like a three inches of cucumber, that's it. That yeah. was me. Yeah. Like a nonstop. You know how hard it is that? You never get out even one inch of the, you know, out of your diet, for special bodybuilding diet. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And I'm human too. And I did it. Did I struggle? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Until you go on stage, it was a 90 second I shine on stage. Yeah. And most of the girls, when they look at it, okay, Veronica, I want to have a six pack. I want to have those glutes. I want to have those legs. You know, like, how do I do that? Um, if you are ready to struggle. Mm-hmm. Oh, but when you do it, like, you do a lot of shows, like, one after the other, you know, it looks so easy. Yeah, because you don't want to show, like, those struggle in front of everyone the final product. <laughs> yeah. That's what I say. So they eliminate between that process, the struggle, and they just see the, the final result, what the people have. So then they think um, there is a secret. Mm-hmm. But there is no secret. No. You just have to do it. If you don't know how to do it, like, like you say, yeah, start now. Do it now. If you don't know how, just at least to do something. Go out. Just do something. At least to start walk. Yeah. Maybe start doing push up. You don't know how to do the push up. Maybe put the kneel down and then just to start. Yeah. One or two repetition. 
And they usually they don't finish with one or two repetitions. They go more than that. So yeah. that's why you just have to start first. So that was a really good one. That was awesome. Oh, inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. No, but yeah, you know, like it's just, I like, I say it's as simple as that as in that is a singular concept, but that singular concept will cripple you if you just don't accept it. You know, like it just, it is, it is, it's tough for people to wrap their mind around. And even like for me, like I can stop and kind of get caught up into like, oh man, like, do I really like, is there really the benefit to this? And I'm like, oh, absolutely. You know, and like, like, and that's what I alluded to before is that, you know, like all these different things that I do, I take the time now to be able to understand why I've got to this point before I would self-reflect on all these situations of why they're beneficial to me. But now I know, now I can identify with them. But like, it's just like, I don't know what to say to people to, to get them to accept struggling as a virtue because people don't want that. And we are told through our lives every single day that you don't need to struggle. There's, if you don't want to drive your car anymore, you can get like a partially autonomous car. You know, like if you don't want to shop for groceries, you do not have to do it anymore. They'll show up at your doorstep again. Like if you don't want to clean your house, you don't have to do that. Like there's all these things like, like we don't have to do this. So like when we choose to not do any of these things that suck, like the easiest things that suck. Like grocery shopping kind of sucks. I get that. I don't want to go grocery shopping most of the time. It's kind of a waste of time, you know, during the day to be able to go grocery shopping, you know, like, but who cares? Yeah. Like really like when, when people are like, well, what do you watch? Like what shows do you watch? Like on Netflix or Apple TV or any of this kind of stuff. I'm just like, like, I don't, you know, because like I, I value like other things like way more than that. And what makes me realize is that there is time. There's a lot of time. There is an immense amount of time. 24 hours is a fuckload of time. Yeah. Because if I know that for me personally, like even if you want to go with the status quo and say, you've got your, say, eight hours of sleep, your hypothetical eight hours of sleep. You have 16 hours every day. How much of that time are you wasting? Like how much of that time is like, legit wasted on nonsense you know and like the flip side of that is is it hyper productivity but if you go for a walk if you go sit on the grass of the park on a beautiful day like today instead of watching like one extra episode of netflix and that doesn't mean that like you can't ever watch tv like that's not what i'm saying either it's just that is one or two episodes of a 30 minute show a day like is that good like that was probably good. You know, like, like, let's be real, like watching like one episode of a show that's, you know, that is maybe 30, 45 minutes. We are probably, we should, we could probably get our fill from like check out outside of reality time based on that. But like, we don't, right. Like, like, like we don't like at all. And like, that's where, again, like there's no struggle in sitting and watching a TV. No. Like, like, like you might go through like a little bit of an emotional response, either happy or sad or excited or ambitious because you watch this thing, 
you know, but like when I do like I get to a point now where it's like, like, I love talking to you. We have great conversations, but I also know like, like for me, I couldn't do this all day. If this is what my job consisted of is like sitting in a chair in front of a screen, <laughs> I would shoot myself in the face. Like there'd be nothing about this life that I would have no matter who I was talking to, no matter what the outcome was. Like this isn't life. Like this is not life to me like at all. And I, I don't believe it is for anybody, but I believe that some people are lying to themselves, convince themselves that are some people don't know any differently. Mm-hmm. Some people feel guilty that it's not. Mm-hmm. And then you get the other people who are full, full tilt resisting, mm-hmm. you know, and I get to see this. I don't talk about this because of how I feel. I witness this when I take people on these different adventures, like with me, because like everybody says like, like, what is an adventure consultant? I'm like, let me show you. Because when you realize that you've never been on an adventure before, when you've lived an adventure by proxy, you know, you've watched adventure take place on a screen. Mm-hmm. You don't know what adventure feels like. Like, let's go on an adventure. And I see the way that changes people. And they crave it like drugs. And that is what gives me the window of like, well, if I know this value and I witness it firsthand repeatedly all the time from high level business executives to stay at home moms, to doctors, to Walmart employees, like it really does not matter. But when we get back into these, like these environments that actually speak to us, not lie to us that we can feel by proxy. We have that physiological response. It's like, I can talk to you for two hours and not get the same physiological response as if I hug you for 10 seconds. Oh yeah, it's different. I know that. Like, yeah. So like, these are the transfers that like, you know, I think that like, we really need to always come back to about like, you know, where it's the, the value behind the struggle. Like, like I know it would be worth packing up all my gear coming over to meet you or you coming over to meet me in those situations like, where we've done that in the past mm-hmm. is even just sitting across from me. I know it's better than sitting on zoom, yeah. but I also know that there'll be like this, this semi-physical reaction, you know, like, like I'm a hugger. Everybody knows that. Like, that's just who I am. But I also like, like that is the humanity behind the experience, right? That's right. Yeah. You know, and like the, when we need, when we change, when we look at that is like in health and fitness, there's a humanity behind the change and the humanity behind the change is that it's just not easy. Like it's hard. Like it, it just, it, it's, it's the human experience. Being a human is hard. And every part about being a human is hard and we can't systematize everything to make it easier because the physiological response that our body naturally goes through, through gene expression, allows us to feel these things. 
case in point, the ice bath that we keep talking about, where like I sit in this cold, I get the norepinephrine. I sit in the sauna, I get the dopamine. You know, like I sleep, I get the serotonin. You know, like I turn the screen off. Like do all these things. Like we have physiological gene expression that happens from these environments. But we're not educated in them. No. But then we go to different places in the world. You know, like we go to like, like the, um, you know, like Sweden and like Norway and, you know, like these places, like everybody has a sauna. People regularly jump in like the cold water. You know, like our first nations here in North America would dip their babies in, in cold river water because they knew far before science ever existed. You know, and I, I know it's not every First Nations cultures, but I know there's some that did. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's certain cultures in the world where you'll pull up at a restaurant and see a, a line of baby strollers outside of a restaurant when most people wouldn't stand outside as an adult with babies lying in these things and they're sleeping. But for some reason, we, we, we know through science that sleeping in, you know, maybe like 64 to 66 is the best for us. But how many people want to crank the heat up in their room and throw all these, you know, like blankets on? So like, I, I love sleeping with the window open. I never have like my heat on in my room. And I sleep under like three duvets because I just like the pressure. It has nothing to do with heat. Like, that's why I like those, those weighted blankets. It's just like the pressure, right? And, you know, but like, it, it comes back to like, we, we can't always be striving to make things easier because when it comes to something as complex as health and wellness, our personal health care, you know, like us as people, like we need, we need to be taught that struggle is, is you, is your foundation and the value that you, we really just need to value that. And you will not have a successful string board until you just accept that it's going to be difficult. Oh, yes. Yeah. If you don't struggle, you stop there, you're never going to grow. So yep. on them, like you say, the human uh, is the human nature. We don't like to change. Yeah. But something that is changes comes for us, like right away we resist. No, yep. I don't want that. So that's the thing. But at the same time, human, we love anything that can be addicted. So yep. uh, let's say, you know, that there's a drug out there. I call it also very addictive. Caffeine is very addictive and uh, watching on you know, Netflix is very addictive. Like you just explained, like a 30 minutes of watching the one episode, whatever. Uh, that, you know, that's addiction. You, you watch it all the time, right? It's like today, like episode three, and then tomorrow going to be episode four. It's, it's addictive. Same thing. Just to start. And I'm telling you right now, like once you start, when you want to get into that momentum, you start to doing exercise. And even though you struggle, when you get into, you start to feel that um, the addiction. Mm-hmm. Like I have a huge addiction with the training. I have a huge addiction with the eating clean because I know the outcome, how I feel good. That that's the moment. After I go through the workout and I sweat off and then when I get out and I have the cold water and I drink it, I'm like, that moment, I feel amazing. Yeah. That's really addictive for me. So to get there, people, beginning, you are not going to get that. 
Yeah. You have to beginning, you start, you're going to go through the pain, you're going to have, you're going to struggle. And then once you get into that certain, you, along the way, you're going to have a little bit better body shape. Already, you're going to have a better uh, the health. From yeah. there, you're going to start to feel, okay, I got to train today. Okay, I got to train tomorrow. Because that's become addiction. So why not to create like a good addiction instead? Yeah. of getting onto the bad addiction. You say, you are a smoker before. One point of my life, I smoked as well. And then I just realized one day, I'm not going to do this anymore because I don't look pretty anymore. So I just quit. Yeah. <laughs> and I did like one point, you know, I two years nonstop, I was going after hour, you know, I popped yeah. like a couple of those uh, speed and then ecstasy as a, I know how it feel like. And then after that, you know what? I feel like shit for entire week yeah. and then I did that all the time I got hooked at you know the party for two years yeah. and then I just wake up one day I look at the mirror I'm like who are you yeah God, I don't want this anymore yeah like I realize that I'm losing myself so yeah. I just decide okay I stop and I just stop <laughs> yeah. so in the end of the day it's like a person's decision are you willing to struggle? Are you willing to start to do it and go do it? Don't analyze too much. Just start it. And yep. then you take it from there. Just do it every day. Just like, you know, when you go onto some diet and doing it, just count to every meal. Just worry about now this meal and then worry about later other meal. So that's yep. what you have to do step by step. So that's awesome. Like I, I, I really enjoy talking to you. I know it's taking away the two hours from your time. But oh, this, my, this, this time is for us right now, though. I, I do have to wrap it up only because Zoom's going to kick us off here and like because it's a setup for a, a two hour meeting schedule and stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's always my pleasure. Like I, I enjoy talking to you like immensely all the time. So that's awesome. So, OK, so uh, I have um, again asked, do you want to see next week again? Yeah. Okay, great. So let's do that. Yeah. And then stop decline my invitation. <laughs> yeah. I actually remember, I know what that, that was now because somebody else said, because I looked back and somebody else had sent me um, a, um, an update from my calendar at the same time. And I declined the wrong one. So I, I apologize about but thank you for texting me just to, to follow up. So yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. So have a great day. And then uh, did you record this one? I did. I'll send it to okay. you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Day. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.